So here we are, and we just got through watching Impact Wrestling's first major event, I would say. I know the Genesis existed, but this is the first major event of 2021 that they've done, and it was uh, hard to kill. And uh, this was specifically known, I think, uh, mostly uh, because this was going to be the crossover. The first time the crossover worked in favor of them for a pay-per-view event that Kenny Omega was debuting in an Impact Wrestling ring. Um, He was teaming with his elite brothers, the good brothers, the Bullet Club, whatever you want to call them. And they were taking on Rich Swan, Moose, and Chris Saban. That was the big match that was announced. But it was a solid card all throughout and uh, a lot to talk about here. But uh, we're going to jump in, Will, and uh, we're going to discuss this event and uh, talk about uh, what we thought. Um, Yeah, the uh, pre-show started out, for those of you who didn't see the pre-show, Brian Myers defeated Josh Alexander of the North. Uh, Brian Myers recently signed on uh, full-time, I think, with Impact. So uh, this was uh, to firmly establish him, I think. Um, also, the pre-show had uh, other things like Ace Austin and Madman Fulton joining uh, the analysis table and uh, talking about how they should be a part of this show. And Madison Rain actually announced her retirement from wrestling. So hmm. there was that aspect of it, too. Um, so the pre-show was, you know, it was what it was. It was a pre-show. Uh, Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown debuted as the new commentary team. And, uh, well, I guess I'll just jump in right there and just overall, like throughout the show, just if you give immediate first impressions, I mean, we're going from, uh, Josh Matthews and Madison rain. We're jumping into, uh, the new, and these are supposedly going to be the guys. I mean, going through impact from here on, uh, Matt Stryker and D'Lo Brown. How do you feel? Do you feel comfortable with those guys being the choices as the main commentators for impact pro wrestling? I do, man. I do. And, and, um, as I've mentioned before, you know, this is not a knock on, on a Josh Matthews. And I know that he's still with the company. I think he even got a promotion um, and is, is actually more involved in the production and things like that. Just not as a commentator. Um, But he just, he just didn't do it for me. The the few times that I've watched impact over the past several months, um, it just, it wasn't bad. Like, you know, you can listen to some commentators and you're like, Oh, they suck. But it just didn't it didn't give me any kind of edge in terms of like what I was listening for. And when it comes to commentary, like you can like you can find in in other promotions, like with the Joe Galley, obviously in the NWA, um, you know, there's there's just that definitive voice, you know, and I just right. didn't feel like that that was him. Um, so I'm pleased with this. I think Stryker and D'Lo have the uh, potential to really define themselves as like the voice of impact wrestling to be, um, you know, that, that, uh, just not unique, but, uh, definitive voice of the promotion. So I'm happy with it. I, I thoroughly enjoy listening to them tonight. Um, I thought they had a really good handle on, on what was going on. They provided some valuable insight. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're heavily influenced by commentary and we talk about them a lot. So uh, I, I think it was a smart move. And uh, I think sticking with them moving forward should, should add a little extra edge to impacts programming. Yeah, I feel like you're right. Uh, I think the, the majority of the chat seems to be agreeing with that. Um 
the uh, the the commentary team's good. I always I've heard a lot of uh, flack on Matt Stryker, but I've always been kind of a fan of his as far as his uh, commentary work. Um, I think he's he sounds intelligent. He knows obviously what's going on in the ring. Uh, I don't know that I've ever heard D'Lo really before tonight, but he also offers that just like extra like pro wrestling perspective. So yeah, I guess you could say this is unique in that both of the commentators right now for impact are ex professional wrestlers. So they've, they've got that like extra contact context for like how they deliver what they're talking about. The wrestlers are doing the ring. They probably have some insight that like most normal commentators don't have, I guess. Yeah, and I think that shined through a lot tonight. So uh, hoping to to hear more of the same moving forward. Yeah. Um, so uh, my stuff here that I have is going to be courtesy of Josh Nason over at Pro Wrestling Observer because um, he just took better notes than me. So I'm going to read those. And Will also has Bleacher Report over there. Let us be pulling from different I, stuff here. Yeah, I am. Anything I reference will be from Eric Beeston, which you got to be a professional wrestling writer if your name's eric beeston uh from over at bleacher report so that'll be my my source the beast eric beeston um yeah so um i mean jumping into the first match on the show was a uh, decay which is rosemary and crazy steve they defended their championship or no they didn't defend it anything they they took <laughs> on neil dashwood and caleb with a k actually defeated uh to neil and caleb with a k uh also known as the influencers i think in some circles uh story of the match was that caleb was a doofus of a wrestler but a cheating doofus that would cheat as a means for dashwood to get the upper hand on rosemary it would be dashwood and caleb's overconfidence that would end up costing them the control they had over rosemary as they went for a was up headbutt that would give Rosemary the opening to counter and tag in Steve. Later on, when they managed to cut off Steve for a couple of minutes, he got the time to counter them with Dashwood and Caleb stopped to take selfies. Uh, the finish was Steve and Rosemary hit Dashwood and Caleb with the green mist, respectively, leading to Steve hitting the second rope DDT for the win. Uh, Jason Nason says, uh, okay, match. Caleb and crazy Steve had a good performance. Uh, and uh, so that was that matchup. But any thoughts on that one, Will? Yeah, um, you know, I, I thought it was an entertaining way to start the main show. Um, I, I actually didn't get to watch any of the pre-show, so this was my the first thing I saw of the night. I, I didn't get to see the Brian Myers uh, match. Um, and, you know, I thought it was fun. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the influencers, I, you know, Caleb obviously has some some NWA ties to Neil Dashwood. Um, uh, she, you know, I, I'm a big fan of hers, and I was actually at the the Ring of Honor event where she made her debut, her first uh, post WWE debut with Ring of Honor up the road in North Carolina. So, um, you know, always good to see her and and to see her in in a a prominent spot and a prominent promotion. So, um, I thought it was overall a good match. I mean, there was a lot of you know, funny business and things like that with the green mist and selfies and stuff like that. So it was kind of one of those like borderline silly matches um, that had a lot of like extra elements in it. But uh, I thought it was an okay way to start the show. Nothing, nothing to write home about, but it happened and uh, I, I appreciated it. Yeah. Um, I, I always have like an affinity for, or just like a, a soft spot just for, 
Uh, the influencers, I guess, just because, uh, well, Caleb with a K, as uh, a lot of you know, is we, we started off with an NWA podcast. So Caleb with a K, he's, he's been on the show here. Uh, Caleb Conley, um, just a just a cool guy and uh, just appreciate him being always, uh, you know, we always say it a forever hashtag NWA fam member. So uh, he's got that background. Tennille Dashwood, I've always loved. I loved her as uh, I, I've already forgot. I didn't ever, I never thought this would happen, but I forgot her name in, in WWE. Um, Emma, Emma, yeah, but she do like the dance where she like poked bubbles or something. Yeah, <laughs> it was super cute, but um, anyway, um, so it's good seeing them. I, I honestly expected by this time more out of Tennille Dashwood, like I expected her to be like in the title picture, but um, you know, some other people have really taken over in that area. Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, but yeah, okay, match and uh even Caleb like hit some had some fun stuff, but uh yeah. Uh I, I just I will if I can, let me take a moment to throw up James Lawrence in the chat here saying having two actual wrestlers on commentary gives it legitimacy. We have to acknowledge when James Lawrence gives props to a wrestling promotion. We have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an unwritten rule. Both both times. Both times he's done it. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just kidding, buddy. Uh, so, Strucker and Brown run down tonight's card. Uh, next up, you got Violet by Design, which is Eric Young, Joe Doring, and Dieter. They took on and defeated Tommy Dreamer, Rhino, <laughs> and Cousin Jake in an old school rules match. Uh, the uh, It was weird. I mean, you, you brought up some points about, uh, I, I will say, Violet by the side seemed to have matching gear. They treated themselves as a faction. They all came out together and did the uh, old school, like oh, close to the Eric Young sanity intro. They did like that similar thing. Then you had, you were, you were talking about with like cousin Jake and Tommy dreamer and Rhino all coming out separately. Yeah. Not as a, as a team. Um, maybe, maybe this is part of psychology. They ended up losing. So uh, maybe that's part of their problem. They didn't treat themselves as enough of a team. Um, but uh, the breakdown of this one, of course, according to Jason Nason, was uh, early on the match fields to the Dieter and Cousin Jake confrontation and the Rhino versus Doring one. After some minutes brawling outside the ring, Doring confronted all three baby faces wielding chairs. And while he took some damage, Doring was able to break down all baby faces, building him as a monster. His match long story was that no one could get him off his feet not even with dives it would take a gore from rhino to finally do it towards the end all men took turns at each other starting with dreamer dropping ey on thumbtacks but after everyone had their turn it would be young that would drop cousin jake with a pile driver for the win uh he said this was pretty good and joe doring is amazing um he points out, and this is something I was going to bring up, so I'll just mention it here. He said, during this match, they would occasionally cut to a tri-screen look, either showing three different angles of a spot or just each of the pair-ups in this match. Um, so he mentioned that. I thought that was interesting. Like That's a thing in wrestling, production-wise. I don't think I've actually seen. Mm -mm. I don't. I mean, it wasn't my favorite thing I've ever seen, um, but, uh, you know, we... We, keep, we do keep beating the drum of, you know, impact needs to differentiate themselves further and they need to try new things. And I feel like 
they have done that with this pay-per-view. So I will give them props for that, whether it's my favorite thing in the world or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, this match was, it was pretty brutal, um, which is interesting. You know, I mean, they had a barbed wire match coming up that we're going to talk about. So having the thumbtacks and all the chairs and all the stuff in this match, um, felt a little bit like jumping the gun on, on the violence for the night. And I hate, I hate thumbtacks, man. I, I just cringe. So as soon as those thumbtacks came out, I was kind of a little bit unplugged, but um, yeah, it, it was really, it, it was impressive. I'm, I mean, the conversation you alluded to earlier that we were having just about uh, the guys coming out separately uh, versus, you know, all coming out together. I mean, it's a big deal for me because I'm a traditional tag team guy. So I like it when teams are teams, but I understand in this climate, you know, sometimes it's just three guys that pair up together and uh, you know, tag most tag teams are like that nowadays unfortunately so it is what it is but um uh, this match didn't do a whole lot for me i think it went a little too long i don't know the exact time of it but um i felt like it could have been a little shorter and still gotten that that point across but i guess with so many guys in the ring you gotta give each of them kind of their chance to to be the focal point so How'd you uh, how'd you feel about the length of the show overall? Just just curious. I thought it felt good, man. I mean, we did have a little break there where we watched uh, the NWA World Title match, but <laughs> um, I, you know, honestly, that might have saved it for me because I think, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about it, I'm sure, but I think that the part of the the show where we checked out might have been part where I kind of would have checked out even if we weren't watching. Right. And they call this match. So it might have been a, a blessing in disguise that we took a little detour there. Um, but I felt good overall about the length of the show. I mean, it was your classic, you know, three hour show and, um, you know, fit fit the bill uh, as opposed to some of these four or five, eight hour shows <laughs> that WWE will do for some of these bigger pay-per-views. Um, it did help that I didn't watch the whole pre-show. So I didn't have a full hour you know, of pre-show before that. Cause I, I'll be honest, I don't really get the concept of pre-shows for pay-per-views. I, I mean, I, I get that they're trying to sell it. So they show it on a free platform. Um, but like trying to put matches in there and trying to uh, make you feel like you're missing something. If you don't watch it, I don't, I don't buy into that, but. Yeah. Um, I think that the purpose of pre-shows really should be, um, I, I, you know, obviously I'm not in the business. So I, you know, there's, there's standards. I, I probably am not aware of or science that has gone into this. I don't see the point of having actual matches on the pre-shows necessarily. I feel like it should be yeah. totally having uh, promo packages that build up matchups to make you want to see these two guys fight, you know, that just- well, and that's the thing is I, I think I would actually prefer to watch that. Like if that's, if that was like the standard and they even told you like, Hey, we're going to do a preview pre-show where we're going to talk through all the matches, maybe have a panel um, and, you know, stuff like that. I would, I would want to tune in for that. I think it makes me not want to tune in when they throw matches on there. Cause I know those matches don't matter just subconsciously. Cause they're on the pre-show. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just like an extra, just like just padding basically yeah. for, for everything no you're right it, it's the it's the weird part about um 
pre-shows. Yeah, I, I think if anything, you should be trying to sell the conflict that's happening on screen. That's going to be like so people are like, "Dang, I kind of want to see what what would happen, what's going to happen with these two step in the ring." So I'll yeah. buy it. Um, I don't, I don't know what, you know, maybe there's like a nostalgia or something. People see like people wrestling on screen and they're like, oh yeah, I used to like wrestling. I don't know. There, there's gotta be some science behind it. I can't imagine that every company does that for no known reason, um, yeah. but, but anyway, all right, well, let's move on to the next thing here. That is going to be uh fire and flavor Kira Hogan and Tasha Steele's. They, uh, well, I, I guess right before that, just for the record, we got a segment with Swan and Saban where they met up with Moose. Uh, you saw that Swan told Moose that he didn't trust him. He said it should be Willie Mack instead, but Moose has already injured Willie Mack. Uh, Moose explained that he hates uh, everybody, basically. <laughs> and when it comes to impact, he bleeds impact, though. And he won't allow any outside forces to come in and disrespect his promotion. And uh, Moose, uh, the, the, Josh Nason, this is his words. He says, Moose was amazing. Total baby face here. And uh, and uh, no, it sounds, I mean, it really does. It's just like, he's like, I'm protecting my promotion, but I am the top of the alpha of my promotion. And uh, he's got like a little bit of that. Uh, I mean, maybe in a sense that Roman Reigns vibe that's going on right now. Yeah, that's uh, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it's just uh, he's like this he's, is my kingdom and I protect it, and you know I'm the alpha. Yeah. He was definitely the baby face in that conversation for sure. Because I think um, I was listening to it, and um, you know, Swan was kind of the the distrusting, like you know, you're you you shouldn't even be on this team, blah blah blah. And he's like, well, we're gonna go out there and kick their asses, and. Uh, so certainly in that conversation, I I was buying into Moose as kind of the I don't care baby face. I'm just here to like kick ass. So kind of a baby face version, I guess, of, of what Roman Reigns is doing now, which would be what Roman Reigns used to do. But it, it's way more fitting for a guy like Moose than it used to be for Roman Reigns. So if you're going to draw that comparison. Um, all right. And so the next thing up here is uh, Fire and Flavor, Kira Hogan, Natasha Steeles defeated Havoc and Nevia in the Knockouts Tag Team Championship Tournament Finals. Uh, and uh, Josh Jason says here this was a power versus speed match. Havoc and Nevia dominated early on. It wasn't until Hogan had still managed to double team Havoc behind the referee's back. They managed to cut her off. It was a bit weird seeing Havoc become the baby face in peril, but it helped that Hogan and Steels are constantly moving, constant attacks, and quick tags. And at the end, it all made sense when she made her come back and got the tag to Nevia. Finish would come a couple of minutes later when Hogan pinned Nevia while Steels held off Havoc outside the ring. Uh, he points out there was a spot that seemed to be a Tower of Doom spot, but instead Havoc turned it into a double powerbomb on both ha uh, Hogan and Steels. Um the right team won even in disadvantage. The tag team work between Hogan and Steels was far superior. This is Hogan and Steels' first championships in the promotion. Uh, Gail Kim and Madison Raymer, Gail Kim and Madison Rain, former tag champs, came out to crown the new champions. Uh, Brian Hebner also made his return to the promotion in this match. Uh, so a lot, a lot to break down there. But uh, yeah, basically. 
Uh, again, got to throw it back to the hashtag NWA fam. Always a fan of Tasha Steeles. Always will be. That's just life. Sorry. Sorry about it. But uh, she's teaming with Kira Hogan here. And I like their team. They look like a team. They act like a team. They seem legit. And uh, Havoc and Navia are also badasses. Don't get me wrong. But I, I was pulling for Steeles and Hogan here. And they mm-hmm. got the win. And uh, good to see Brian Hebner back. And uh, he, he's, he's an expert at controlling tag team wrestling. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Fire and Flava, as they're called, um, they have officially branded themselves as a tag team, which was interesting because we were commenting on that while we were watching it, not not really having the, the foresight to know they were going to win and become tag champs. Um, but, yeah, they, they were they were faster. Uh, they were more in sync. Um, and so I, I agree with that assessment. The right team won. So it was a fun match. It was, it was nonstop. Um, you know, it was, it was just one of those matches that, you know, it, it was just one thing after another, you, you weren't really sure like who had the upper hand while you were watching it. But then when you think back on it, you know, it was definitely, uh, <laughs> fire and flavor. I had to look at it again. So I'm still getting used to it, but that, um, uh, that, you know, carried that match. So it's great. You're muted. Why do I keep hitting? I don't even know why I hit the button anymore. I really don't. I'm just going to not tell you next time and just like, wait till you finish. Let me go for like 15 minutes. Just talking. Yeah. (laughs) And then just go. I disagree. I'm just going to stop hitting it. I always, I did it. I did it during the, uh, while we were watching the show, because I got some pork rides to eat during the show. <laughs> so I was like, that's kind of for, terrible. Thank you for saving us from that. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, backstage, Decay approached Taya about backing her in tonight's match. Taya asked them to stay behind because she wants to do this by herself. Taya, wearing earbuffs. Still don't know why exactly. <laughs> It's winter uh, time, man. Yeah, it's winter. Ace Austin and Madman Fulton came out to cut a promo. Austin said that it was a waste of his time to only have him talking in the pre-show. So instead, he told Scott D'Amore to add him to the X Division match tonight as he was the rightful winner of the Super X Cup. Scott D'Amore come out, came out and said, I've got another idea instead. You want to be on the pay-per-view? Here you go. And Matt Cardona made his impact debut tonight. Uh, it was a fast-paced match, back and forth, but pretty short overall. It built to Cardona getting close to finishing Austin before Madman Fulton interfered, and he attacked Cardona, and then it was just a straight-up DQ. Uh, after the match, Cardona ended up hitting everybody with all his you know, signature moves, chasing them out of the ring. But is what it is. It was a DQ. Matt Cardona making his debut at Impact, uh, presumably longer term than one night because it feels like this was building to something different. Uh, Will, your thought? Yeah, well, I mean, we never know at this point. Um, A lot of us thought that his AEW career, quote, I'm putting air quotes on that, uh, would have been longer, but... um, I think it's the right spot for him, to be honest. Um, I think he uh, he fits he fits the mold a little better in Impact. I think I think there's more opportunity there and more uh, of a um, 
the possibility for him to get some big storylines and uh, carve out a name for himself. And, and, you know, honestly, impact needs it. They, they need a guy like that. And they've, they've picked up, you know, several, and not just because he's a former WWE talent. That's not what I mean. I mean that like Matt Cardona has uh, the look, he's got the ability, he's got the, the character, um, the per- personality to uh, really bring something, I think, to impact that, that, is going to add to the overall product Um, as opposed to AEW, which was already really full of kind of really that kind of personality, if that makes sense. So uh, I think he was going to be just white noise blending in over there. So I think that uh, he's got a much bigger opportunity to impact. I do hope it's more long-term and uh, that that is made public and uh, that can be something to celebrate in the coming days and weeks, but I thought this was a great way to introduce him, you know, on a night where a lot of eyes were going to be on this pay-per-view because of Kenny Omega. Um, I think it's a great time to debut him and uh, put him out there. And I thought, you know, the match, even though it ended in a DQ, uh, it was really kind of how it had to go. I mean, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to have ACE lose, you know, at, at the, at the trajectory he's on right now. Um, yeah. They're not going to have Matt, Matt Cardona come out and lose his debut match. So they kind of had to had to do it that way. But it was a good way to get him on, uh, get him uh, debuted. And it was pretty exciting. That's a That's a great uh, point you made there. I mean, it was just like kind of a just the momentum of both characters. Like it, it just it, it almost feels like we're. We're a bit distrusting of DQ finishes, but almost like this one felt like that that probably is the right finish for this. If you just wanted to have a quick, like let's debut a new person into the ring and let's get the shock and all get the most eyeballs on it to see that he's here and see it's happening. And uh, also give a little bit of a uh, uh, spotlight to our super X cup winner, you know, like it just, I could see that actually like the way you just described it, whether you meant to or not, it makes it make perfect sense to me. Like I don't typically like DQ finishes, but hearing you talk about it just now, I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, on the rare occasion that they're supposed to be okay. This is probably actually like one of those times that should be okay. Well, and I mean, it's kind of tainted for us because, you know, there's been like entire episodes of Monday night raw where every match was a DQ finish for what seemed like no reason. Um, there's no like logical storyline reason. It was just like they were being lazy with storytelling. So stuff like that has kind of made us, as you said, distrusting towards this kind of stuff. But this, this is the perfect example of, of how that should be utilized in pro wrestling. Right. Um, so the next matchup was X division champion, champion Manic ended up defeating Chris Bay and Rohit Raju to retain his X division championship. Uh, Manic, uh, you know, it's no secret to those outside the ring, but that's TJP. Uh, oh, I thought yeah. it was Josephus. Yeah, too bad. Oh, sorry. Not, <laughs> not even the question mark. Very weirdly <laughs> enough. Uh, Josh I thought Hayden they were going to pull the mask off. I thought they were going to pull the mask off and it was going to be Kratos. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm stirring up old bad memories. Go ahead. Yeah. Just terrible memories. Uh, 
the uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you something weird. I just noticed on the Observer page, by the way, is uh, this. Uh, it says uh, now the article is written by Antonio Garza. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happened there. He, just, I, he legally changed his name. I scroll. I scrolled back up because I was like, was it Josh or Jason Nason? I want to make sure that I give prob- proper uh attrib- attribution here. And I scrolled back up and it was Antonio Garza. And I was like, wow, I was. <laughs> really off or something just has whoever. changed just whoever uh, anyway this is on the observer side that's where we're getting this uh they say this was awesome commentary sold this perfectly explaining that this was a brawler versus technician versus a flyer raju and Bate never pretended to be on the same side they've worked together against tjp before but they've never been friends the story of this match instead was bay and raju racing each other to get their hands on manic which led to some great three-person spots a great spot saw manic go for a mamba splash on raju but get caught mid-air by a springboard cutter from bay the match built to raju finally unmasking manic but underneath the mask was a face painted or a face painted TJP that comment that commentary pretended not to recognize. <laughs> they, they sold it, man. They did. They sold it <laughs> at the end. All three men traded near falls, constantly stealing from each other. They had a throwback to how Raju once stole the title from both men, but it would be manic that would get this win with a snap pin on Raju after he had done the work on Bay. Uh, this match drew me in like this match sold me on this show immediately like this match was a lot of fun x division you know you kind of expect some athleticism and some crazy stuff but i I think all three of these guys uh, like are pros like they just did great work in the ring and uh all, all three of them were fantastic yeah this this match ruled man it was like uh it's it's just hard to explain i mean it's it's it really embodied what I've come to know of the X division, what little I know about it. Um, but that whole, um, you know, division of, of the promotion. And, uh, you know, I really thought, I, I thought Chris Bay was positioned to win it. Um, and I know that might've been for people that follow it more closely, that might've been a stretch just knowing what, you know, more about all these three of these guys. But um, I felt like the trajectory of the match seemed like they were setting Bay up for, you know, a comeback or something like that. And it's always interesting to, to watch a triple threat match, especially with guys that are as quick and as, uh, you know, good as these three guys. So it was, I was on the edge of my seat for a lot of it. And, um, you know, honestly, I thought the ending was a little, anticlimactic but i i mean what are you gonna do with with the way that match was going like you know there was just so many like breathtaking moments in that match that you you had to end it somewhere so uh but i think all three of these guys like continue like we're just outshining each other and then outshining each other and it was just it was it was one of those matches where you're just like man these guys came to play and uh they put on a great match that's probably might be I mean, the main event was great, but that th- that one might have actually been my favorite match of the night. I could see that. Um, the ah, God, it was so good. You're right. There, there were multiple spots, especially like I, I think 
at one point we, we were both talking about with like uh, TJP having that awesome pin up uh, that we thought this could have been the finish and uh, yeah. they kept going. And may, maybe they overshot that a little bit. Like maybe they just kept it going when they could have, they already had like the, the, the peak moment. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but all in all, I thought it was a, a fantastic match. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, backstage, Alicia Edwards pleaded to Eddie Edwards to let her be out there with him. Eddie forbade her. He had to do this alone, and he couldn't risk having her out there. Knowing what Callahan and Shamrock are willing to do, Alicia promised she would not go out there. So that was a backstage segment that happened. Uh, knockout champion Diana Perrazzo with Kimberly and Susan. Defeated Ty of Valkyrie with Decay to retain the title. Uh, it uh, basically the, the breakdown really early on. It, it was a brawl. Rosemary and Kimberly wrestling each other outside the ring. Crazy Steve and Susan arguing, and so the referee just ends up sending everybody to the back, uh, just so it's the two wrestlers in the ring. Once everything's under control in the ring. Uh, Parasso cut off Taya and started working on her left arm, as is her usual mode of operation. Yet this time around, Parasso had started targeting Taya's leg, too. She would lock in the arm and pull the leg for a half Boston Crab. In return, Taya's game was mostly based on striking and big slams or suplexes that would cut off Parasso's offense. The damage was enough, though, that when she went for an early road to Valhalla, her knee buckled so she had to change her offense to submissions or moves like the curb stop that wouldn't require putting weight on her knee. The finish would come soon after Taya's comeback when Perazzo hit a Mystica and brought down Taya with the Fujiwara, Fujiwara armbar and finally locked Venus to Milo for the verbal submission. Uh, the observer said, really good, not long enough. Uh, Taya cried in the ring after the match. Um I thought it was a solid match myself. Will um, I? I don't. I didn't have any problems with the length of it either, and I thought it was like a good transition. Actually, I think as we were doing the live watch, I commented on that that it was just a nice transition from that X division match to this match that was yep. more technical wrestling based, which is exactly how the observer described it as well. Just like just more holds and submissions and technical wrestling. Yeah, it was it was definitely that. Um, I really really enjoyed this match. Um, you know, I, 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 it's no secret Deanna Perrazzo is one of my favorite wrestlers. Period. Not just female wrestlers, and part of that is just because of her methodical picking apart of her opponents and uh, the technical skill focusing on certain areas. But man, I will tell you that Venus De Milo submission finisher is insane. Like when I see her putting somebody in that, it's like, I don't know how their shoulders don't dislocate. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's, it's brutal, man, for, for a, a submission. And um, so that being the finish. And uh, as they mentioned in that article, um, you know, Taya having to verbally submit because she literally can't tap her hands are like tied behind her essentially. So it's just such a cool way to end the match like that to really kind of put an exclamation mark on it. And um, I thought it was great to, you know, further establish Deanna as, um, you know, the top of the knockouts division. And 
Um, so yeah, I hope this continues to be her year and um, she continues to shine. Well put. Um, the next thing up, uh, we got a comedy skit with AC Romero and Jody Bravo about the whole uh, shooting thing. Um, uh, what? I don't know anything about this. So I'm going to trust our impact audience knows anything about this. It says, we got a comedy skit with AC Romero and Johnny Bravo about the whole shooting thing that I thought had been forgotten. Romero discovered that Larry D had been framed by one of the knockouts. This is when we checked out. This is when we uh, had, were looking on Twitch. I think you took a break right here. Yeah, probably. Because the Karate Man thing was coming up. And, and you know, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm just not into all this. But, yeah, the next matchup was Karate Man defeated Ethan Page. Uh, here's, here's the write-up from The Observer. The story behind this is that Page had a mental breakdown when he and Alexander couldn't regain the tag team titles after losing them to the Good Brothers. Suddenly, we were introduces we were introduces we were introduced to Paige's alter ego, Karate Man, who mm. he'll now wrestle. This was nothing; just Ethan Page doing a bunch of kicks and punches like 1992's Mortal Kombat, including Karate Man ripping Paige's heart out. This was terrible. They broke up the North for this. For anyone who has never been into cinematic matches or the undead realm, don't watch this. This was Ethan Page figuring out how to use a green screen and double exposure. If anything else, this was a break that the Impact team needed to set up the barbed wire massacre. <laughs> so that's that's how the Observer <laughs> put it. Well, <laughs> let me uh, let me come in with the. Uh... The Bleacher Report recap of this, uh, I think this is very amusing. Um, the writer of this match, Eric Beeston, gave this an A-plus rating, which is the highest you can get on Bleacher Report. And this is his analysis. I'll just read it word for word. If the war between Karate Man and Page had happened in the Tokyo Dome, it would have been 27 stars. As it stands, I'll have to settle for 12. Match of the year, more like match of the century. At a moment in pop culture when Cobra Kai and the return of Mortal Kombat to the big screen dominate the conversation, this was an epic encounter that likes of which Kurt Henning and Nick Bockwinkle would be envious of. Or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad he went like so far over the top that we would know the sarcasm was there. Because I was like, (laughs) he gave this match an A+. Like, what the hell? So that's that's amusing, but I'll just read that because I actually didn't watch it. We were watching, uh, we were watching. We, we got kind of sucked wrestling. into the uh, yeah Magnum Pro Wrestling Nick Aldis match. So. Uh, Rock says seventy nine. Uh, Johnny Bravo was marrying Rosemary in the ring, but the lights went out, and when they came on, Johnny Bravo was shot. Tommy Dreamer took over as the lead investigator, leading to a trial. The trial was a farce, and they haven't found out who did it yet. Johnny Swigger was a main suspect. At one point, I thought it went away. Uh, <laughs> Rosemary was only marrying Bravo to sacrifice him. <laughs> 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 I'm glad I don't I know if this is better or worse having no, like, I don't know if it's better or worse to hear that story having no, like, context. I know. <laughs> if it makes I more sense like- or less sense. 
grateful to you, Roxas 79 yeah. for being here and providing sure. that context. But I almost wish I didn't know that because <laughs> it just sounds like what, what is even happening here? Anyway, uh, moving on, the next segment was, according to The Observer, Don Callis met with Moose. Callis put Moose over and brought up his contract, saying they could have a big future together, but it would be terrible if something happens to Omega tonight and they get sued and they can't keep up contractual obligations. Moose looked at Callis and said, no matter who I team with, I play to win. Once I'm done with Omega... I'm going to win Swan's title. And then maybe I'm going to show up on AEW and I'm going to take Omega's title too. And they're saying in the observer, this guy is the best baby face. <laughs> and so, uh, they, uh, so anyway, more, more light for Moose. I apologize to whoever thought Moose wasn't getting the rub. And it, like, even as I'm reading this recap, I'm like, Moose is their dude. Like Moose is yeah, for sure. <laughs> like they love Moose. Yeah, I, I don't know how you think otherwise. So, Eddie Edwards uh, defeats Sammy Callahan in a barbed wire massacre for the Observer says. Uh, it says this view goes back many years and many violent battles. It all rekindled after Edwards backed up Swan after Callahan and Shamrock had made attempts to capture the world title. And thus, Callahan once again went after Edwards, his wife, and the eye he once legit injured. This, but by the way, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the thing where Ed, uh, Callahan hit Eddie Edwards in the face with uh, God, it was like a I don't remember if it was a steel chair or something like he legit like nails him in the face with it. It's anyway, there's you can look it up, it looks legit. <laughs> I, I won't, uh, but go. This blood feud has reached a level of intensity that not many feuds in Impact history have reached, and that is the framed Barbed Wire Massacre. That's the famed Barbed Wire Massacre, this being only the fourth installment of such a stipulation. The ring is surrounded by barbed wire, barbed wire weapons. One side of the ring has a cage wall wrapped in barbed wire, bringing us back to old CZW. Story of the match was that Edwards was wrestling angry and hot-headed and that led him to reckless risks that the calmer Callahan would take advantage of. Edwards was playing in Callahan's sandbox. And if he wanted to win, had to either turn this into a wrestling match or go down to Callahan's level. This got bloody early. It was a couple of minutes that Edwards had wrapped up barbed wire around Callahan's forehead to cut him up. Edwards was busted open a couple of minutes later when he went for a top rope suicida and Callahan caught him with a barbed wire board that he crashed through. The brawl continued with both men trading control, utilizing some of the weapons around the ring. Callahan used an N64 controller wrapped in barbed wire, while Edwards used a chair also wrapped in barbed wire. At one point, both men tried to make this a Taipei death match by wrapping their fists at barbed wire. There was a cool spot where Edwards and Callahan had their hands on each other's signature weapons, which they decided to trade before they went at it. A small glimpse of respect between the two. Towards the end, we got some big near falls, one where Callahan hit a pile driver from the second rope into a barbed wire uh, board bed we had a callback to the eye accident, but wrapped in barbed wire only for Edwards to block it with a low blow, hit the BKP and the Emerald Flosion for the win. This was great. 
brutal and bloody after the match. Alicia came out to help Eddie to the back. So they that this person writing for the Observer loved it, Will. But uh, I think you and I felt a little differently. Like it just felt like blood for blood's sake, and just like just just cutting each other. Yeah, I mean, from from what you just read, from what I've read here uh, on Bleacher Report, we're missing two key components to really enjoy this match. Number one is liking the death match format, the the you know over the top violence and barbed wire weapons and blood and stuff like that. The second is the history between these two guys because it sounds like they've got a, a pretty storied rivalry. Um, so I think if we had had one or both of those things, we probably would have enjoyed this match a lot better, but just to be honest, um, I I don't have the context for the rivalry or a love for this kind of match. So I didn't love it. Um, definitely respect both the guys. You could tell that they're, you know, tough dudes and, and great athletes, great wrestlers. Um, but it just not really my cup of tea, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I felt I felt kind of the same way. Like I, I, you know, I appreciate who Callahan Callahan and Eddie Edwards are, but uh, they're just not. I, I don't know. I'm not. I didn't have the uh, backstory, I guess, that would supply me with any care for like why these guys, why it mattered so much that these guys are just ripping each other to shreds. So uh, yeah, the match to me was, yeah, it was it just what was what it was. Um, so the uh, AEW World Champion Kenny Omega and the Impact Tag Team Champions, the Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, with Doc Callis, defeated Impact World Champion Rich Swan, self-proclaimed TNA World Champion Moose, and Chris Saban. My favorite part of all of that is the and Chris Saban. He's the only person with <laughs> no title, like no titles <laughs> mentioned around his name. Yeah. <laughs> This champion and this champion and this champion and these tag team champions and this champion and then Chris Saban. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's 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 got he's accomplished. So I mean, his name alone means something. But I mean, he's a little out of place in that in that lineup. Yeah, yeah, just uh, very weird. Anyway, I'll skip most of the observers' uh, introduction here, except that they said Moose looks like a million dollars tonight. Uh, they jump ahead to say match has an interesting layout. Both Saban and Swan had babyface and peril runs, but in between each, the Impact team would have crazy babyface babyface comebacks with all men running wild with dives and triple team moves. Storyline wise, mostly everything was said before the match. They made the point that in the that. In the Omega and Good Brothers team, only Omega was going for pins. Like, if the Good Brothers were doing the work for Omega. Whereas for the Impact team, all men got near falls on Kenny Omega in different occasions. Uh, It was... I I did not catch that, Will, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, It was until the end that the match came down to Swan and Omega. Swan had some great near falls hitting the 450, but at the end, it was Omega hitting the one-winged angel on Swan for the win. Great match, 100% delivered. Moose was the MVP. If you ask us, the AEW world champion, though, pinned the Impact world champion. And 
Hey, welcome, Roscoe. Thanks for joining us. Um, I think that was our biggest takeaways, too, like watching this. We, we landed right with the Observer. It was, hey, uh, Moose was the star, and Kenny Omega just pinned Rich Juan. So the AEW World's Heavyweight Champion just pinned the Impact World's Heavyweight Champion. So that's an interesting way to go. When you had, like, Chris Saban right there, the guy who was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I got no titles. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. he could have took the pin. Like, you know, just any of that. Obviously you wouldn't kill Moose off or anything. I kind of expected Kitty Omega, and the good brothers to take the win, but I honestly expected one of the motor city machine guns to take the loss is what I thought yeah. was going to happen. Yeah. Well, I mean, you covered it. That's the two big points coming out of that. I mean, we were watching the match and we were talking about the fact that, uh, Hopefully they were going to put over Moose uh, the way they should have. Because when you look at the six guys in that match and you're thinking in terms of we're getting some new eyeballs on the product, likely, because just because Kenny Omega's here, um, you got to look at those six guys and think who's who's going to make the biggest impact, <laughs> no pun intended, and that would be Moose. I mean, he's towering over everyone else he's on a different level um in terms of just ability and 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 what he's you know was doing in the ring uh i think they accomplished that so you know big thumbs up to impact for that um because you gotta imagine if you know there's people like us who were watching it you know for possibly the first time um that that left an impression on you like you know who moose is now if you watch that match and and you're going to be talking about him regardless of the finish um and then you know other talking point is i do find it really i mean not necessarily concerning because i I don't have like a, a huge opinion about impact so to speak but i did find it peculiar that they had kenny pin their champion rich swan so you know there was other ways they could have done it. Uh, I don't know if that's going to play into like a direct story or, you know, if that's something that Kenny's going to now use to, to tout and to gloat about, um, you know, proving that he's, he, he pinned the, the impact champion, even though it was a six man match. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know, I guess we'll have to see, like how they take that and spin it into something that makes sense. Otherwise it just looks like, you know, the, the visual that we have here is AEW's champion pinning impacts champion and establishing dominance, so to speak. It's so weird to me, man, because like I, I, I sit back and I think about these things and, and like, sometimes I always think it's like weird that companies can't work together. Because I'm like, ah, oh, you just make deals. Like you just, you just work it out. Like we'll be fair with each other. And I get that the wrestling business can be super cringy and weird. Like sometimes between people, but um, you know, everybody's looking out for their own self interest or whatever that sort of thing. But like, there's a part of me that wants to look at it and be like, oh, NWA can totally work something out with AEW. Like it's just, you know probably like everybody's got their like one like don't do this you know thing which i imagine for like say it was nwa probably that thing would be like nick aldis is not going down to anybody you know like and if it is it has to be really discussed like we have to really decide 
who Nick Aldis is going to lose to. And no offense, it's not going to be Marco Stunt. It's not going to be, you know, you, you, you got to think about it. And uh, so all of that to say, um, it's just weird. It, I don't know. It just that the first outing on a pay-per-view between the partnership here, like that, that Kenny Omega pins rich Swan. I mean, the only saving grace that I could find in a situation like this, uh, would be maybe Moose is about to take this thing. If Moose is about to dominate, you know, like maybe Moose is your guy and Moose seems like a legitimate threat. I, I always feel guilty with this because I don't ever want to feel like being a a dick on these points. But the hardest part I had going into this match was it was like your world champion is Rich Swan and Kenny Omega is the world champion over here. The first time they face off, like Kenny Omega is going to look like, you know, you know, I'm not a Dragon Ball guy, but like real life Goku. Like, you know, he looks like a big dude and you're like pairing him off against somebody who's like five inches shorter than him. It's going to, it's going to feel weird. Not that Rich Swan can't back up athleticism. It's just, man, the real like intriguing aspect is going to come when Moose faces off against Kenny Omega. Like those two like yeah. looking at each other, you're going to be like, holy crap. Like <laughs> where did you just step? who is this company? Who is their world champion? You know, and uh, anyway, yeah, it was it was interesting. I, you know, one of the things that stuck out in my mind was the one time that uh, Kenny Omega obviously didn't succeed, but was going to try to do the one winged angel with with uh, Moose on his shoulders. That obviously was not going to happen. I don't think it could ever happen just because of the size. So we're not used to seeing Kenny against people that size. You know, we're used to seeing him against. Uh, the guys from Japan and, you know, the guys in AEW. I mean, the biggest person that we've seen him wrestle has been, you know, John Moxley. And so, I mean, it's, it's, and I mean, big in terms of like size. Um, so it's, it's definitely a mismatch and it's definitely something we're not used to seeing. So, I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe that is, you know, that visual is, not to bury Rich Swan, but maybe they're passing the torch. And the point of this match was to uh, kind of stoke the fire for Moose and put that in your head. Um, so, I mean, they announced the next pay-per-view is in April. So we've got several months, right? Um, until something happens and maybe between now and then that title is going to transition over to moose. And so by the time we get there, they want to have this visual to look back on it. Like, yeah, you know, Swan couldn't cut it. Moose came in. He's the champ. Now he, him and Omega are going to stand toe to toe and that's going to be a little more intriguing. So maybe they went ahead and, and, and burned the, this, this rich Swan Kenny Omega thing tonight. Um, so that they can move on to, to bigger and better things. It's just tough. I mean, if you're the world's heavyweight champion of your promotion, I mean, the hard part is walking back the next week on TV. It would feel like, be like wow, yeah. you're the world's heavyweight champion here, and you just lost to that company's world's heavyweight champion. I totally get like the psychology of the whole thing. Um, 
that's like you don't want your champion to look weak compared to another champion because you're well, supposed to be the world champion. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, if it's a storyline move, and so now the story is going to be Rich Swan shows up, he is dejected, he is, you know, discouraged, bummed out. Moose, you know, swoops in and takes advantage of that and defeats him and takes the title. Uh, that makes sense to me. You know, that serves as part of the storyline that all can be traced back to when Rich Swan was pinned by AEW's champion Kenny Omega you know, at hard to kill. And so that would all make sense. But, but if it's something that just happens and then they try to move on, like nothing ever happened, that's going to be tough. So. Yeah. Um, so yeah, rock says 79 before tonight, I would have said moose is not ready for that spot, but wow. Did he change my mind? Uh, Dave Scooby said, AW has a pay-per-view on February 6th, I believe. So who shows up from impact? Uh, so there's, Plenty of places to go here. Plenty of things to talk about. Plenty of options that that could take place. Um, I, I think Will's right. I like. I think Will, or uh, I think Will saying Moose is going to jump in here may may be on the money. Like that 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 could be what's going to happen. Um, I hope so. Honestly, yeah. like that's kind of what I feel like. I I want them to spotlight the heaviest hitters they got. Like really go all in. Um, not try to be fancy, not try to cut corners or, you know, fool the fans. Uh, there was a discussion in our discord the other day about like, uh, well, the predictable thing would be this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, predictability is not bad in wrestling. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. I just want, just want the story to play out. Like it, <laughs> sometimes you're, you're trying to swerve for the sake of swerving and that's no fun. Like sometimes it's just like, let me have the story I want to see. Like, let's let's do this. So uh, maybe they'll pull it off. Uh, Will, did you have any other thoughts to, to throw on this impact discussion before we wrap yeah. this thing up? I don't, man. I mean, you know, I know one of the big um, talking points we've had over the last little bit is impact and, uh, you know, are they going to finally pull us in? I would say my verdict from this pay-per-view would be, Yes, and because of Moose, to be honest, like <laughs> right. I want to watch Impact this week because I want to see what happens from the fallout from this, specifically with with Moose and Rich Swan. See if that starts going somewhere. Um, you know, I definitely have a, a more uh, uh, more ties. I feel like to some of some of the guys on the roster and, and some of the ladies. So. Um, yeah, I would say I took a step in a little bit tonight. I think I feel the same way. Like uh, there was a lot to like in this this episode or this this pay per view, and uh, I'm interested in the X division situation. I, I, I've got a few people I am invested in there in the world mm -hmm. title spot. I, I feel the same way. I think they've got a lot of opportunity here with a lot of people and I don't want to, I don't want to knock anybody, but like I could sit here and tell you that like, I think between the uh, good brothers and moose and uh, the motor city machine guns and uh, God, who else we see? Like, I mean, well with, with, with Chris Bay and uh, 
Manic and Rahit and like all those people. Like there's uh, Matt Cardona debuting. He seems like he's a perfect fit for Impact. Like mm-hmm. just they've got some people. I think they've got some people that are intriguing. So it'll it'll they they can try to piece this thing together. I I, I have hopes for Impact. I hope they do well with it all. Yeah. Anyway, so. we'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, we are at TIPW show on everything. Um, you can find us all those places on the YouTube right now. We're live streaming. You can uh, hit subscribe and uh, make sure you hit the, if you hit the bell icon, it lets you know anytime we go live, like we are right now, if you're listening to this later on, on the podcast format, um, we're just happy to have you think, uh, you know, tell your friends about us, maybe consider going to iTunes and giving us a five-star review, uh, and, uh, just, just sharing it wherever you can, because it just, all of that stuff helps the community grow. If you're not a part of our discord, we feel strongly that we have the best, smartest fans of professional wrestling in the business today. And uh, we'd love you to be a part of that because we we think the people that hang out with us are the best. And uh, you can do that. You can just go to Twitter right now. You look at that pinned tweet right at the top. It's got a everlasting link that you can just click on and join the Discord. Or you just look at right here at this is Gary Horn at Hey It's Will at this is Dr. Stinson, who wasn't able to be here tonight. You can hit any one of us up. We'll get you in there. We'll get you in the Discord. It's a chat room. we got channels for every single promotion you can think of. There's a channel for, there's channels for live stuff. There's channels for memes. There's channels for all of it. Whatever you want to talk about with pro wrestling, we moderate it and keep it professional. We keep it, we keep it classy, you know. Classy, like with a bunch of dudes talking about wrestling, but uh, I mean, as classy as it can get, you know, we're not, yeah, you know, <laughs> we're just saying nobody's gonna be an asshole, is the yeah. thing we look out for. And uh, so come join us, hang out with us in our Discord, and uh, you know, tune in. We'll be back uh, next Wednesday live and uh, hopefully get some more stuff together for the podcast. So, like I said, just share it with your friends tell people about us we love you guys thank you so much for hanging out will you have anything to add nope thanks everyone it was fun saturday night hanging out with everyone thanks for sticking around for this impact hard to kill recap and until wednesday i guess uh enjoy your gravy cake